Hey everyone, welcome back to another mini episode of Europe is Coming with me, Vicky McLeod and John Singleton, head coach of the programme. This time we talk about the next game season, how the PFA is showing up for its athletes at Wadapalooza and what's incoming for the programme. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Europe is Coming podcast, taking you inside the minds of Europe's best CrossFit athletes and the people behind them. Hello, hello. It's John Singleton. It is Monday afternoon and it is, it's almost like five to five and crackerjack, isn't it? It's like it's actually Monday afternoon, cool with John. This is our third week in a row that we've actually managed to do this and it's a testament to your persistence that that's happening. Well done, John. Thank you. I'm going to put a repeatable Google Calendar yeah. date in. I mean, it always has to be this time of day because then everyone else has gone from the office that I'm in. But very soon, I'm going to have my own studio. Upgrade. Big time, a life upgrade, to be honest. It's going to be amazing. How are you? I'm good. I've not had, like, I've had a nice period of no travel, which is surprisingly unusual. Like, you know, my life is typical travel, but this week I go to Switzerland to kind of re-kick that and then embracing for December and January, which uh, are going to be long periods away again. Yeah, you've got, you're off to Miami and Dubai, huh? Yeah, and then we have like Christmas in between, which will be, you know, not traveling for work, but it kind of adds the extended period away. And then a few other things coming up. There's big, big news in CrossFit Games announcements this week. Much, much needed information has been released. I don't know where to start because everything seems to have changed just a tiny bit. Even the Open is starting later, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, CrossFit did finally release the, the dates. I don't think anyone's really not sure why they waited so long with, you are right, there are changes, but they're not significant changes. You know, the Open stays at three weeks. There's people back and forth. on the. I vote for a three-week Open. I think it's uh, more manageable. Some people want five, but I think everyone's happy if it's three or three or five weeks. And then we, we move into the, the quarterfinals, which as of now are probably the most controversial stage. And then, you know, for the general population, and then as you go into semis, you know, we have some, <laughs> some other news that's great for some regions, not great for others. Yeah, let's start with quarterfinals, because, I mean, they've now got, it used to be the top 10%, didn't it? And now it's the top 25% of athletes and teams from the Open. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you've been around for a while, the one thing, you know, CrossFit is consistently inconsistent. <laughs> So, I mean, quarterfinals only got put in a few years ago. Before that, there's kind of always changes. But this year, you're completely right. They kind of had this goal of top 10% through your through the Open, be that elite or your age category, wherever it is. You qualify to quarterfinals. And, you know, 10% is still a large number relative to the amount of people that are doing the Open. And I don't think anyone, you know, if you spoke to anyone involved in CrossFit, they would not say to you, yeah, quarterfinals needs more people <laughs> you know it wasn't even like one of the things in discussion or noted and and so it was like a strange thing i mean the obvious one comes down to there's a financial uh gain for crossfit listening to like savan podcast brian friend they know these figures kind of come up to like 2.5 million is the the possible extra revenue that could be generated which you know is it obviously important that the sport generates money i think everyone in that understands but 
I suppose being clear about it would be like this is not necessarily I, I imagine like gym owners organizing quarterfinals is a bit of a nightmare. It's just really it's harder organizing quarterfinals than uh than open because open literally everyone does it, it's one workout and you just kind of throw down for that. But the quarterfinals, you've got multiple workouts, people want to do it at different times throughout the day. So so it was it was a strange choice, presumably to generate more revenue, which I don't think is a bad thing, but maybe kind of as it was communicated, it's not necessarily beneficial for, for people. Do we have any idea who made that decision? Is that a kind of committee decision, do you think, or is that a specific person? I honestly don't know, and I don't think many people do. Like, what is the decision-making process of increasing the open? I mean, I don't know. I was speaking to somebody recently who's a master, master's athlete, and yeah, so they had some things to say about the whole situation. And then semifinals, explain what's happened there. I don't understand either that. So, again, the consistently inconsistent. So semifinals last year, they decided to group Europe together which it had been like way back in the day, they regrouped it together. And they allowed 60 athletes to compete, which I think was like, you know, understandable. What they've done this time is they still keep Europe groups, but reduce that number down to 40, whilst extending Af- regions like Africa or Asia that don't have as much depth, but they get more athletes. So in essence, what they've done is made it extremely difficult to qualify somewhere like Europe, and then extremely easy to qualify somewhere like Africa. So I think the, the reason that this is a point of conflict is that semifinals, or what was regionals, is a significant stage in, the, in an athlete's journey. Like lots of athletes train hard. You know, some athletes train close to full time just to be at semifinals. And, you know, now it's going to be extremely hard for them to be on that European stage at semifinals because you've taken 30% of the places away. I think that something we often hear from CrossFit is that they will they're just kind of focusing on the fittest on earth so it's kind of irrelevant you know if someone for the person that we're talking about who can win the games these stages are irrelevant you know there's an interest some interesting stats that come out about that as well but that's kind of the argument that okay well it doesn't matter for the fittest on earth because they will get through no matter what however there is some interesting points like Yele Hoste for example in this format would not have made from quarterfinals to semifinals, mm-hmm. yet finished top ten at the games. Smashed it, absolutely yeah. smashed it. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna bet that if you increase that number to twenty five percent, it's actually going to be harder for someone to qualify now, especially with these basic workouts, because so many people can do well. So if you have a little hole, it gets amplified by a larger percentage of people being able to do it. That's why now quarterfinals have become more risky, let's say, because you get really punished for having one one weakness because there's a larger population of people. And I suppose you, you start getting to all these debates, well, if they're fit, blah, 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 it kind of goes through. But, but that's in essence what's, uh, what's going to happen. I feel an impending sense of doom. That actually is quite concerning when you really like spell it out like that. I just don't understand how... Europe is now one region and has less opportunities. What is the thinking going to be behind that, giving Africa and Asia more spots? So from what I listened to, I think the thinking was just to keep consistency. So they wanted consistency across all regions, so Africa, Europe, etc. you know, just having 40 people. I think there's a couple of things. One is that because each region is separate at that stage, you know, you don't need to have these cross-region comparisons. And also we know that like certainly America, Europe are a lot stronger 
than other continent. So it was a strange decision in that way. And a big thing to come out now, because there's been no mention of the worldwide ranking, which was used to allocate game spots in the previous years, is how many game spots Europe's going to have. Or, mm. you know, and we're talking about Europe because it's relevant to us, but you know, how many places are Europe going to get in these semifinals, which is the one stage that hasn't been announced yet? What about your athletes? What do they think about this? Have you had any chats? You know, we mainly with the coaches about like, hey, you know, kind of preparation stuff. Uh, for the athletes, you know, the goal is still the same for them. So the hurdles change, but their goal still kind of keeps moving. Their focus doesn't change. But, you know, again, it's just you know that things are going to change within the CrossFit world. So it's like you've got to kind of roll with those those changes. There's also an interesting thing. Uh, I listened to a podcast as well with uh, Nikolai, um, who works for me or works previously for CrossFit Media as well. And he interviewed uh, Dave Castro. I think it was a really good podcast because there were some like good questions that came out. And, uh, but one of the things I found interesting was in these discussions of taking away the age groups, the adaptive divisions, there's also a discussion of taking away teams from the games. And I actually think it would be, you know, I don't think it would be the worst idea, like having that sole focus just on the, the individuals. And I presume it would make their organisational life a lot easier, but they obviously decided to keep teams in this year. And, but I'd be interested to see how the community respond to that, that actually, if you were to take, take the elites, just the top 40 in the world, male, female, then you have a separate competition for teams, separate competition for age groups, separate competition for adaptive and then for example the athletes that may be 35 could qualify to both the individual games and sam briggs would have been someone who fit into that category could have qualified to the games and qualify on to other competitions or you know say you put the team competition in december or whatever you know you could then have like super teams form for the this because they'd be able to compete in both so I, i think it opens up possibilities and i haven't heard any discussions recently from hq on the season structure but that's outside of HQ. That's like a big discussion of like how the season would be lengthened. Does it need lengthening? Yes. I think it needs defining. But, well, I think for viewership, because, mm-hmm. okay, what, what's happening in the CrossFit world right now? Nothing. Nothing. You know, <laughs> what, what happened after games? Nothing. You kind of had Rogue. Mm-hmm. Nothing. And, you know, there'll be some stuff around Dubai, what a blues, and then nothing. And I think these periods of nothingness make it very hard to grow momentum in the space. Whereas, you know, at least if there was something once a month happening, it would give a lot more momentum. And you can kind of predefine how that season structure works. And there are various people have put together various ideas for that, which, you know, I'm going to segue very nicely into our uh, next topic, which is the PFA. But this season structure discussion is something I think that's, is an interesting one because, you know, is it optimal for the sport just having open quarters, semifinals games? And lots of people have the opinion, probably not. Mm. Like de- designing and inventing a sport and creating a season. We've talked about golf before as being something that like the PGA and all that sort of thing, like the way that maybe they could structure things and tennis as well. How do you think that they could, design a season that would be sustainable when you think about peaking for competitions and recovery people can't compete all year round can they so there's lots of uh kind of areas that you can start to discuss so if you take somewhere like rogue which over the last few years has been a bit of a, a beat down for the athletes so you are right no like every month an athlete can do something like that then the question becomes, you know, actually semi-final volume, which five to six workouts over a weekend is not huge, relatively. 
So you go, well, actually, can an athlete do that every couple of months? You know, so the amount of volume that an athlete's doing at competition will therefore dictate how many competitions they could then do throughout the season. Say that again, the amount? The amount of volume that competition has Mm. obviously impacts the amount of competitions an athlete could do throughout the year. Okay, yes. Let's say games, for example, you're probably going to struggle to do like three games a year. Like there's so much volume. But then the semifinals, you know, you could obviously do a lot more semifinal style competitions, just the, the body being able to manage that load. And so this gets into the discussion, well, okay, we go, well, what is a, what do you define as a CrossFit competition going throughout the season? But I think the general idea is getting the best athletes in the world to travel, compete in different areas, different regions. Like, you know, how exciting was it Tira and Laura throwing down? It was great. Yeah, it was epic. And okay, imagine that then, you know, in a few months' time, they'll be in Europe doing that. And then in a few months' time, being Asia doing that. So the idea that these the athletes would also travel around the world to different places to compete for points, to be able to qualify for the Games. And that's kind of the expansion of the season. Right now, the relevance of Open and quarterfinals for the elite athletes is not as important as for the community. So then really you have semifinals where it's like you go over three weeks, like boom. So much information, really hard to follow because of so many competitions, sometimes three, four competitions, same weekend, and then over, and then you've got the games. So actually, could you expand that out to a nine-month period? Not saying the athletes have to compete every weekend, but at least you have something happening. You know, golf, tennis, like you follow those uh, those sports, football, you know? Like, I mean, in the Premier League, people will sometimes be competing. You know, they'll be doing the... Of, you know, like a European championship, they'll be doing the league, they'll be doing all these different things throughout the week. And I think if the manageable volume uh, was accepted across competitions, then something like that would be more manageable. And the argument goes, well, could it be then more exciting for the sport? I think it would be it would be great to have more regular competitions. I don't know, like you're saying about football, but the thing is that that's a team sport, so it's we can't really compare them because they. If you're injured in a football player, you can be substituted. If you're an injured elite crossfitter, you don't bring your brother in to do it for you, do you? No, but tennis, golf, all those, you know, it's just, it isn't, and I'm not saying that stress for tennis or a crossfit, or a golf competition, or whatever relevant to crossfit, but the kind of framework is there to have an increased season. It's also more earning potentials for the athletes. And it's also, I think, that these big competitions, them being, you know, how much more exciting would it be if, uh, those competitions then led into the season, in the sense from Rogue, you qualified to the games. or So there's a, there's a whole storyline and narrative emerging rather than just having these what are now random competitions dotted throughout the season. Could they all be merged into something that tells a story throughout the year? I mean, that's, like, that's the thing that captivates people, isn't it? The stories and watching people's, in inverted commas, journeys. And that's really where we, we, the audience can be sold on these on the sport because it is. If you don't know CrossFit, you don't understand it. It's hard to follow it. Yeah, I mean, you know, we don't need, we didn't even know the season till a week ago. We mm. still don't know what semi-finals are. How many people qualify? So you know, this kind of comes as constant conversation. And I think this is where a group like the PFA becomes very useful. And as you want to bring up this, uh, what a yeah. loser collaboration. Let's talk about that. Why is that important to, I mean, and what's going on with the PFA and what a loser? 
So I, I think it's more that the water palooza is seeking out advice and guidance from the PFA in terms of like, okay, how do we run a fair and safe competition? And as a big picture, I think that's it. that's kind of how I summarize. And, and obviously it's relevant because you know, water palooza, one of the biggest off-season competitions in the space, and is kind of just acknowledging the kind of the first time the PFA will be involved in something like that. So it is a big step for them as an organization. It's a huge deal and great compliment as well for the work that they've been doing. I think that they are they're getting the acknowledgement that they deserve. Yeah, they do a lot of work. I, over the last few years, I've spoken quite a lot with Brent. And he's very, uh, you know, he puts a lot of time, a lot of work, like the documents that Brent has produced. I mean, I'm even shocked by like just, you know, from categorizing movements to how they can be judged, this kind of level of in-depthness about the sports and, and how to make it fair. I think one of the biggest things that the sport needs is some kind of, uh, as you said at the start, like how are decisions made? And I think that there should be kind of, a, you know, at least some kind of process of like how decisions are or are made by people with different, uh, from different perspectives, at least to set like a decent framework to to move it forward and hopefully spur the growth again. Do you feel like CrossFit's in decline a bit at the moment? I think it depends how you look at it and define it. I mean, so there are certain things like affiliate growth, you know, uh, people signing up for the open. There are certain peaks that were hit that haven't been hit again. So from that way, you could say that. I also think the landscape's a bit harder in terms of, you know, CrossFit's been around for a lot of years. Things tend to go in fashion, especially with sport, you know, like all different types of training. Now, High Rocks has become very popular. You've got all these different kind of competitions that weren't in existence in 2018. And so mm-hmm. now the, the landscape, CrossFit's kind of number of competitors has increased. And, and so I think that's, and you know, all these all these people, like the, the caveat is all these things are getting people moving. They're getting people doing things in different ways. They're all benefiting a population and, and they're all creating like great habits for people. So, so you know, it's, it's, it's like great for the the general ecosystem of health, well-being. However, for the sport, it's like, hey, well, you know, obviously there's this, how is the sport going to grow? And I think that's an interesting uh, question. I was telling you about the master I was speaking to earlier. I met up with Anna Quast. Mm. Uh, she's over in Mallorca for a, a little holiday. And she's a master's CrossFit athlete, been to the games. And she told me that she's going to do the German throwdown next weekend. And then she's retiring. She's had an, she's um, not going to compete anymore. And that she's just really looking forward to just running her box and running her affiliate because actually she enjoys that more than she does the competitiveness, the competitions now. But we were talking about the new arrangements for masters. And she said now that it's actually 40 that's going to be going through, she actually feels like it's diminished it and it's not as exciting or. I will say this that I do think it was the right decision separate. Mm. I think that the separation really made things uh, easier to manage. So, you know, I, I think that actually the Masters can have a better competition now than they could if, if they were at the Games. So I think having more athletes there, yeah, what's the right number? I'm sure, you know, is it 20? Is it 40? Is it 60? Is it 10? You know, that might take a bit more time to establish, but in just 10 athletes I don't think was enough uh, at the Games. I agree. But I was like, what I'm trying to get at is that she seems to like have, she said she's just she's had enough of competition and she just really enjoys the community so Hmm. is this sport of crossfit declining is really my question yeah 
I think it's like how you know how is it declining? In what kind of metric are you using to measure that uh, that decline? And, and that's something that we you know if you use open participation, then yes. I don't know if you kind of go like well signups to CrossFit licensed events or these kind of things. I don't know those those numbers. I think CrossFit HQ has to just try to get on top of all of this again because I, I actually thought. I actually thought last year that they were doing a better job than they had done before. It doesn't seem like, it seems like we're going backwards a bit at the moment and I would like them to organize themselves a bit better. Yeah. I think that, you know, the key word that we always spoke about is communication. I think once again, it's like, well, this may be, you know, it's not been consistent at least. Mm. Oh, I hope they're listening. The last thing we were going to talk about today is your, you're going off to Switzerland. Yeah. So traveled to Zurich this weekend, a weekend workshop. Where? It should be good fun. In Zurich, in Gleistan, uh, like uh, a friend, Mark, Sheila, they, oh, you know them. I know Mark, them. Sheila. Yeah. So they uh, they own a box, uh, CrossFit Gleistan, which is just outside of Zurich. Uh, Gomar will be coming from oh, World cool. Science to do like run one of the sessions and go into a bit more into depth. So it, it should be really fun. It'd be nice. To, I, I really like uh, Zurich. It's like a nice with, uh, city, nice mm. country. So I'm excited to be going back. Taking Manu. Are you? Yeah, making sure we don't buy any uh, food or coffees while we're there, though. That's pretty expensive, huh? Yeah, Switzerland's pretty crazy expensive. No Toblerones for you. No Toblerones. <laughs> Man is going to be on a diet of water for the weekend. Well, he's only little. You can probably just pack him a pat lunch and he'll do for him. That'll do him for the weekend. You have to bring all the food from Spain. He's can he can cope, I'm sure. Yeah. And then when are you back? I come back on Tuesday. So um, are we going to speak to each other whilst you're in Switzerland? Yeah. And then we go actually just a week after we've got a coaches conference. So all the programme coaches are coming over to Mallorca for the weekend after that. And then we, you know, then pretty soon after it's Dubai and the kind of like, there's a lot of travel starting to come. What will you do at the coaches conference? We can go through like coaching theories, how we work with athletes uh, and generally just like, you know, how do we how do we work with athletes? How do we improve? How do we share our knowledge? Bring everyone together. I think that's a really important aspect. You know, we run elite camps, we work with the athletes, but for a few years now, we've done these coaches conferences, just bringing everyone together, and uh, uh, and yeah, kind of like a, a coaches elite camp. That's cool. Uh, that's cool. Coaches have to be coached too, huh? Yeah, very much. How many people will you have? How many coaches have you got on the books? I think there'll be nine of us there. Nine. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I think it will be eight eight coaches and then Manu, <laughs> Manu the media. I'd like to come and listen if you're going to have any big chats. That would be interesting to learn. Yeah, of course. We'll be there from, uh, they arrive on Thursday nights until Sunday. Will you guys be meeting at some exotic finca? Unfortunately, my friend, like, well, Christian, our friend sold his finca, which is very inconvenient for us. Oh, that is a problem. So uh, we'll be <laughs> finding a, an Airbnb on the island. Okay. Well, that's maybe, maybe you can talk about that ne- more next time. Yeah. Safe journey to Switzerland. Thank you. And don't uh, don't blow it all on the first coffee, like you said. No. Pace no, yourself. Uh, no airport coffee. No. And I'll speak to you next Monday. Okay. Thank you, Vicky. I don't... Thank you. Thank you, John. Same time next week. 
In the meantime, I have longer form interviews lined up with Andre Hude, Moritz Feibig and Ella Wunger. So if you have any questions for any of them, shoot me a message on Instagram. Until next time, thanks for listening and bye bye.